everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendike. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Really glad you came today. Uh, we're coming toward the end of our Love Like Jesus series. There's still two more weeks after today, but uh, I mean, for me, this has been a paradigm-shifting series. I don't know if it's been good for anybody else, but it's been great for me. Uh, it started back a couple of weeks ago. We said that Jesus' love is wide, and we talked about how Jesus' love is deep, Jesus' love is strong, Jesus' love is satisfying, Jesus' love is generous. And it's been uh, transformative for me in the ways that I have, I think, grown in uh, experiencing God's love for me and for other people. And I was talking to a couple of different uh, people this past week. Uh, One of the contexts was in life group because we've been processing this in life group. And somebody said something really profound. Uh, He said, you know, I used to always think that I had to script out the ways that I would share Jesus with people. Anybody ever kind of think that way? Like I wanted to make sure that I got the formula right, that I I said the right words in the right order at the right time. And he said, one of the things that this series uh, has helped me do is decompartmentalize my life and how I relate to people. He said, "I've, I've learned how to have freedom to just simply love people out of who I am. Like, I don't have to worry about following a script. I'm going to show Jesus love in simple uh, ways to serve and to communicate and to speak love into people. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but another person, uh, this, this person is uh, a woman in her late 50s. She, she didn't say so much that I've learned how to love people better. She said, I am rediscovering the depth the amazing wonder of Jesus' love for me. That is incredible. She just said, it's just, wow, Jesus loves me. Wow, she said, Jesus loves me. It's not this general love that he has for the world, but as I've been discovering uh, my own personality and as I've been growing in self-awareness, I see that Jesus loves me the way that I am. Pretty cool. Today we're going to be talking about how Jesus' love is compassionate. And to do that, we'll be reading out of Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through the end of that chapter. Uh, Again, this is a story about Jesus, a great place to go if you're wondering how Jesus loved people. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. It says that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. We'll just pause there because you'll notice kind of a two-fold way that Jesus is relating to people. The first, of course, is that he is announcing good news. What is the good news? I was thinking about how to put this in a way uh, that, that kind of shortcuts around some religious language uh, because, I mean, we, we talk a lot about God's kingdom because Jesus is always talking about God's kingdom. 
And one way to put it is to say where God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. But another way to think about God's kingdom, I think, is to put up, can we just put up that list again? of Jesus' love is wide, deep, strong, sustaining, generous. This gives us a pretty good picture of what God's kingdom looks like. And uh, that Jesus' love is wide. Remember uh, when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, we talked about how Jesus and God's love and acceptance and blessing is pouring out on people who do not deserve, who have not earned God's blessing. When we talk about how Jesus' love is strong, we actually see the expression, that second thing in this passage, that Jesus' strong love is stronger than sickness or shame that maybe comes from uh, just a life full of mistakes. And here he says he healed every kind of disease and illness. And those are two words that you might think, don't those two words mean the same thing? They're really close, they're really related, but the first one has to do with the actual, uh, you know, condition that you have. Uh, if, if you have, have a sickness, you know, maybe it's physical or, or maybe it's mental sickness. Uh, but the second one has to do with the state that you have come to because of that sickness. Like you, you are weak, you are worn down. The, the Greek there, uh, the illness is pointing us to like this, this kind of miserable condition and Jesus says I, he didn't just uh, announce good news, but he came to heal every kind of disease and illness. So let's keep going uh, in verse 36. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he actually switches the metaphor here from a, from a shepherding metaphor to a Farmer metaphor, he says to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Uh, let's just pray here a second. God, we ask that you would come and inhabit this space, that as now we unfold what it is that you're trying to teach, that it would be your truth that is heard, uh, that, that penetrates our hearts, and that it would be your spirit that comes and meets us and enlivens us and breathes life into us. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, this Bob Goff book uh, is full of, full of great stories, and uh, one of the stories that Bob Goff tells is that uh, he has a son, and he said, my son is not into sports. Oh, if he were just into sports and just had to deal with, like, basketball injuries. He said, my son is into skydiving. It's like, yeah, bruises and sprained knees don't sound so bad. And he says, whenever my son goes skydiving, I go with him uh, because I want to be with my son. And he says, but I watch uh, from the ground, and it is this, like, as you can imagine, this sort of terrible thing to be watching a plane fly over and, and seeing your son jump from that plane and just holding your breath, uh, begging God that the, the parachute would open, right? But uh, because he loves his son, he decided he too was going to learn how to jump out of planes with a parachute. He said, I learned this very interesting thing uh, during the, the uh, you know, orientation, because you have to go through an orientation to jump out of a plane. He said, well, you know, you have to remember to pull the chute. It's very important. He said, 
And if, if, uh, if you can remember to pull the chute, and if that chute doesn't open, there's a backup. Uh, there's, a, there's a backup chute, right? So if the first chute doesn't open, don't panic. There's something to, to, to keep you from, you know, hurtling to your death. There's a backup chute. But he said if the backup chute, they said this, if the backup chute doesn't open, you have about 45 seconds before you hit the ground. And he said the, the thing that surprised me was that it's not the fall that kills you. Yes, when you hit the ground, it will break every bone in your body. But what happens next is you bounce. And it's the bounce that kills you. Because all those broken bones then pierce all your internal organs. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? He said, I'm a lawyer, so I came up with a plan. He said, if both parachutes fail, I'm going to just, when I hit the ground, I'm going to grab onto the grass uh, to keep me from, from bouncing. But he says this. He says, I'm just going to read out of his book. Uh, what is true in skydiving is true in our lives. It's usually not the initial failure that takes any of us out. It's the bounce. We've all hit the ground hard at work or in a relationship or with a big ambition, whether we had a big public failure or even a bigger private one. The initial failure won't crush our spirit or kill our faith. It's the second hit that does. The second hit is what follows when things go massively wrong or we fail big. And the people we thought would rush to us create distance instead. They express disapproval or treat us with polite indifference. If we want to be like Jesus, here's our simple and courageous job. Catch people on the bounce. When they mess up, reach out to them with love and acceptance the way that Jesus did. When they hit hard, run to them with your arms wide open to hug them even harder. God wants to be with them when they mess up. And he wants us to participate. Guys, Jesus' love is compassionate. It says in Matthew 9, Jesus had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. This word compassion is a powerful word. In fact, in the Greek, it in verb form, uh, it says he has compassion on him. Sorry, I'm a little bit of a Bible nerd. You'll just have to forgive me here. This word as a verb doesn't exist until Jesus comes. Because what Jesus is feeling toward people in the history of the world is without precedent. Uh, it, the word itself actually means your, your, like, your insides. But, but when you make it a verb, it, it has this idea that like your insides start to move out, like your insides are, ooh, there's this f- movement inside. You're feeling something so deep in your being. It's almost as if, as if your heart leaps out towards somebody. Uh, this, is, this is what Jesus feels toward people. And these people, he says, are, uh, where is it? They were helpless and confused. And these, this, is, this is the idea of, uh, you know, living without purpose. I don't have clear direction. I've been scattered. I, I've, I'm moving here and I'm moving there, but I, I need something to bring me uh, into step. 
to orient my life. And it says, you know, Jesus has this compassion on them. And these words, these words just kind of describe everybody in the room, don't they? Like, I need purpose. I need someone to keep me into step. I've lost my way one time or another. Like, this is, this is not Jesus looking down his nose at, at wandering, helpless, scattered sheep. This is Jesus' heart leaping out to people who are looking to find their way. And I, I just, I want to kind of unpack that a little bit and say that compassion is not the same thing as pity. Compassion is greater than pity. Now, maybe pity is all you can muster up, and I don't know if pity is such a, is such a bad thing, but it's, it's only a place to start. You guys know I love Lord of the Rings. In fact, we're headed to New Zealand, and I bought this cool book that, that will give you coordinates, like GPS coordinates from where the scenes are shot. But do you remember the scene uh, in the We leave Tuesday. Anyway. <laughs> Camper vans. Here we come. All right. Uh, there's a scene where Frodo says something interesting. He says, it is, it's a pity that Bilbo didn't kill Gollum when he had the chance. You know what I'm talking about? Now, Gollum is truly a pitiable figure, right? He was once was a hobbit, but then kind of transforms into this gruesome monster. Sorry to ruin the end if you haven't seen it, but it's, it's, uh, it's well overdue if you haven't. Uh, anyway, <laughs> but Gollum says no, or uh, Gandalf. Gandalf says to Frodo, no, it was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. He felt sorry for Gollum. And let me just say, uh, again, pity maybe isn't the worst of all things to feel, but I don't think that most people in this room actually want anybody's pity. Am I right about that? I was sitting with a guy several years ago, and this guy, he was in this really deep place of depression, and, and I could understand why, because what he shared about his past, about the abuses that he had faced as a kid, uh, and some of the terrible, unspeakable things that he had shared with nobody before uh, that had happened to him, uh, were truly terrible. And he told me, you know, I don't want anybody's pity. I don't want anybody to look at me and think, oh, poor thing. And I think that's probably true for most of us. Like, we don't want anybody's pity. But compassion? I'll take all the compassion you want to give me. The, the, the inside of your being leaping out in love toward me, I will take all of that. And that's really, that's what he was asking for, right? Uh, the guy I was sent with. He says, I don't want your pity. But he was desperate for someone to love him. To love him, maybe in a sense, on, off the bounce. To catch him before he fell again and had his uh, soul totally crushed. I don't, I don't want to say a whole lot about this next thing, but compassion is not the same thing as codependency. You guys know what codependency is? Codependent behavior is when you uh, act, usually it's out of compassion, it could be out of pity, but sometimes out of compassion uh, because you uh, want to help somebody who's in need. And when you're codependent, uh, it's, it's actually a, a term that's used a lot of times in Alcoholics Anonymous, when you're codependent, you're actually enabling behavior. So I just want to draw out the two things. Like to feel compassion is not the same thing always uh, as, as acting. Uh, like, you can act out of compassion, but because you feel 
compassion doesn't mean that you rush in and you fix everybody's problems. That could make it worse. It certainly means that you sit with the person and love the person and hear the person. And it might mean that there are ways that you can help them, but, but there's, there's some decisions to be made between compassion and action so that you don't fall into codependency. So, Jesus, love is compassionate. But he goes on and he says to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest to ask to send more workers into his fields. So uh, this, this has already been talked about in a sense, uh, but what, what Jesus is saying here is that compassion will draw us outward. It will draw us out of ourself. It will draw us out of our you know, nice, comfortable space, uh, which could be the nice, comfortable space of your life. It could be the nice, comfortable space of your church or of your friend group. Compassion will draw us out of what we know and into spaces that we do not. It might draw us into people's pain that we haven't heard before and might make us feel a little uncomfortable. It might draw us out into relationships with people who are in desperate need of direction or of love or of a listening ear. He says there is a harvest out there and there's lots of people who are, just to stick with this metaphor, there's lots of people who are ripe to hear the good news of the kingdom. People are ripe to hear that God loves them with a love that is wide and deep and strong and sustaining and full of compassion and generous. Compassion is always drawing us outward, out of ourselves. And there's a couple of very specific ways in this church that are, rel- that, are, that are new that I'm actually talking about today on stage for the first time, and I'm excited to share them with you. Uh, and, but before I do, let me just say, you know, this Love Like Jesus series was actually on our calendar almost a year ago. We knew that Bob was retiring, and I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to like have this big visionary series where we talk about what we're all going to do uh, in, the, in the years to come. And what changed is, right, as you've been experiencing, we've changed it to, to be talking about really how Jesus loves us. But I've also been able to celebrate what God has already been doing among us. So instead of saying, hey, we're going to do this, uh, it's like God had highlighted someone to lead the prayer team. And so we got to announce what God had done in raising up Emily Nephis uh, t- to, to bring new leadership, sorry, uh, DefNet, there's another Emily in our church, uh, Emily Defnet, to lead the prayer team. Uh, but, but then there was the care team that had sort of been gurgling, and man, it's like right on time, Dwayne and Minty say, we're ready to run with this thing. We want to help bring a system to people who need practical or emotional needs met. And so I've just been able to stand up here and say, wow, isn't it cool what God is doing? These two things are the same way. Uh, the first thing is that we have a newly formed team that are going to help people who are in financial crisis. I don't, we don't even have a name for this team yet, but they are, uh, they're sort of like pre-live. They're like still building so that December 1, we can like say, hey, this team is active, but as, uh, as we come up on the holidays, there are people 
who are in financial crisis, who are coming to us with needs, and they're evaluating those needs and trying to decide how to best help. And so I actually, we have a little video uh, so that you can get to know the people on that team, but also hear a little bit about their vision for that team. It's really exciting to see what God is going to be doing here. So let's throw up that video. Hi, my name is Troy, and um, I'm a wealth manager, and I work in the Exton area. I've been doing that about 11 years. I'm Elizabeth Baxter. Um, I am duly retired, but I've been a teacher in the Coastal Area School District for 29 years and have uh, been working among people that have needs and lacking resources. My name is Nate Pearson. I'm a professor of leadership studies at Cabrini University, small Catholic school outside Philadelphia. My work before getting into higher ed was in social services. I directed a child and family counseling program where we worked with people in their moment of need. I view this team as setting some principles some policies and guidelines for how we as a body help those in financial need. And I feel like the skills and the knowledge I bring to this team are finding the balance between helping people from a heart of compassion, understanding their story, being able to come alongside of them, while at the same time understanding that we want to be good stewards of what you as the congregation have given to this church and to the community. Part of how Jesus wants to love people is in a practical way. And that can look like writing a check uh, or paying a bill. Um, but really the goal is to help someone get back and on track so we believe that the church exists not to just be a building that people come to and worship, but that the church is there to be an active living body operating in real life. And real life comes with its share of struggles, sometimes hardships. When people are needing financial resources, we hope to, along with a care team, build a plan, um, a way for them to be served with the things that they need. You know, it's hard, man. It's, it's so, so many things. And then, like, knowing a person's heart and what they really need is complicated. It's not simple. And so we want to be that bridge to our congregation and to our community to say, hey, you have a real moment of need here. We want to come alongside of you in this moment and help to make those decisions to find ways where we can help people and also encourage them to connect with other resources so that the problems they have are in the moment and we can get them over those problems and then they can get the long time support and care that they need. I have a passion for reaching out to people who are underserved in need um, financially but even emotionally or socially um, because I feel like it's God's heart that God wants to give us his heart to be compassionate and generous to people that need to know him and his love. Isn't that great? I'm really excited about that. And uh, I just think that we've got a good spread of wisdom and compassion. And the people on that team are really, really great people. But it's going to be just another way that we can love like Jesus, right? so that we can catch people on the bounce. 
before they hit the ground again and then suffer like really, you know, even more devastating uh, results. And uh, man, it's, it's just great. I mean, it's going to be part of the way, like when you give to our church in those black baskets, it's one of the ways that we say like, yeah, we can love like Jesus with these resources and, and really help people uh, when they're in crisis. So that's, that's really great. The other thing that is coming up really fast is uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. We're going to do something that we've never done before. We've done something like it uh, last year when we gave away an entire offering to church planting. This year, we're going to be giving away an entire offering to our Puerto Rico partnership. So everything that comes in those black baskets, anything that comes in the mail, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we're going to be giving away. Why? Because Jesus' love is compassionate. So some of you know Marvin and Carmen. They're, I think the best way to talk about them is to talk about them as missionaries, but uh, they're, they're local people in Puerto Rico who are, are very passionate about spreading the good news about God's kingdom. But also, just as Jesus did, meeting people in their great need. And some of you remember uh, the, the hurricanes that happened a couple of years ago, a year or two ago, somewhere in there. Uh, and, and the country was devastated. So one of the ways that they are meeting practical needs is just, I mean, really sacrificially pouring into people's lives by rebuilding homes and putting roofs back on. And, and as soon as... Uh, as soon as that hurricane hit, they were, they were providing clean water, and, and the work continues, guys. So very excited to, I mean, because of their compassion, we get to show compassion kind of through them by providing some resources. So, uh, I mean, just maybe start to pray uh, ahead of time about that Sunday. Like, do I want to give a little bit more? Is God leading me to just stretch a little bit more to 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 give into this Mission Sunday. It's okay. I'm not, there's no pressure and no guilt and no shame in this. Just give as you normally would. But be open to the fact that God might lead you to do something uh, more with that. So uh, really excited about those two things. Now, there's a reality here, and uh, I think all of us like the idea of compassion. Anybody anti-compassion here? Okay, I didn't think so. Uh, but, but some of us are hearing this, and it's just kind of the, you know, the wah, 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 wah. Uh, who does that? The, you know, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's wah, wah, wah. And, and we, you're not feeling compassionate really toward anybody. So what do I do? What, is, what can be done? What's wrong with me if I'm not feeling compassion? Well, the first thing I want to point out is uh, the role of empathy and compassion. Do you guys know what empathy is? Uh, and, and I see kind of this at work in this passage. So notice, uh, it's not that Jesus is sitting by himself and then feels compassion and then goes out and heals the sick and preaches the good news. What happens first in this passage is he's going out among all of the villages and travels through the towns. He's healing sick. He's rubbing arms with people uh, in the synagogue, but also out of the synagogue. We know that. He's meeting people in their needs. And then he feels this compassion. And then finally what happens is his love multiplies uh, and his, his influence spreads out in part because uh, right after this, we didn't read it, but he gathers his disciples to himself and then sends them out. 
There was something in the compassion that, that made him, uh, I think, realize that he needed more people to do more kingdom bringing, if you know what I mean. There was an overflow. And uh, here, here's the point. If you're not feeling compassion, it might be because you've distanced yourself from people. It might be because you haven't actually stepped into their situation. Uh, it might be time to, even though you're not feeling it, uh, mentor some underprivileged kids. Or go to the Phoenixville dinner this Saturday, right? It's on the Connect card. I think it's this Saturday. You can sign up and go to the Phoenixville dinner. And I bet if you have some conversations with people who are in really desperate need, financially speaking, you're going to see some compassion rise. But uh, empathy, you know, kind of requires rubbing shoulders with people, but you can be with people and not be empathetic. In fact, I think kind of our default is when we're sitting with people, even when they're sharing pain, what do we do? We, uh, we try to, can we just put up that list? We try to explain their pain by saying, oh yeah, you made bad choices, or, or maybe you know, you, your mom treated you really mean, in a mean way when you were a kid. Right? We try to explain it, or we try to fix it, or we try to diminish it through premature encouragement. You know that you can encourage someone prematurely? As they share about what's going on in their life, you can say, oh, you know, you're, and they're sharing, you know, like, I'm feeling really depressed and nothing good is happening. But like, and then you say, no, 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 look at all the good things in your life. Oh, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You can actually prematurely encourage and cut off the empathy where they're trying to share something inside, and instead of letting them take you deep, they're going this way, and you like, like pop off the surface, right? Don't do that. Don't steal the spotlight by sharing your own experiences. It's the classic, man, my, my uncle has liver cancer, and then you talk about your aunt who had, you know, a, a stroke, right? Like, when, when you hear people speaking, our tendency is to, right, think about ourselves because of our uh, selfishness or something, right? When people talk, we think about ourselves, and, and it's, one thing, uh, one, it's, it's one thing that I am constantly trying to dis my, discipline myself to stop. Instead of thinking about myself and then talking about those experiences, what I try and hope to do, and this is like the secret sauce in pastoring and leading and, and like, I think loving people, listen with empathy. Communicate love to that person, not by trying to fix it or minimize it or explain it or encourage it, but rather by saying things like, it sounds like you're in a really tough place. It sounds like you're really struggling right now. And if you can shut down a lot of those tendencies, you'll notice what will happen. You'll, you'll have this in moments, just as I have. The empathetic listening will create this moment of compassion. And there's this connection between you and another person that is almost electric. All of a sudden, your heart gets transported into their situation. And there's this welling up of love. And, and you, you'll start to cry, not because of your life and because of all the bad things that maybe happened to you, but because you're starting to see things from their perspective. I think that's compassion. And if you're lacking compassion, I encourage you to, to try empathetically listening. 
Second thing, if you're lacking empathy, it might because of, be because of your suffocating judgment. Jesus, I suppose, had an option. He saw a bunch of people who were like sheep. They were scattered, and they were wandering, and they were, they were worn out or beaten up or, you know, fill in the adjectives. And he, he could have gone one of two ways, right? He could have gone the compassion route, which he did, but he could have said, man, these people are getting what they deserve. They shouldn't have wandered out of the pen. They've made a thousand mistakes in their life. Dumb sheep. Right? Guys, if you're lacking empathy, you might want to do a heart check and see who you're judging and why you're judging and, and what that comes from. I'm not going to go into that anymore, but that's, that's a major project, I think, for a lot of us in this room to turn off the judgment. Because judgment will suffocate compassion. The final thing. You know, some people uh, in this room just simply need to hear that Jesus' compassion is for you. Jesus feels compassion towards you. Not out of judgment, but because he has entered into our experience in a way that seems impossible. The Christians believe that Jesus is God incarnate. He traveled through eternity, space, time, in some sort of paradoxical, mind-blowing way that we can't even begin to understand to enter into our experience. But this isn't just a generic, he has compassion for the world. This is a very specific, he has compassion for you. And it might be because you yourself are suffering from compassion fatigue, because you've given and given and given and given, and you're, you're, you're empty. And you need to remember, you need to hear me right now, Jesus feels compassion toward you. Or it might be because you're feeling scattered and, and, and lost and confused or, or, or sick or ill or weak, or recently divorced, or in a deep depression, or addicted to a substance, or addicted to a website, or addicted to yourself. And you need to hear that Jesus feels compassion for you. His heart, his insides are leaping out. Jesus' love is compassionate. Let's pray. Just want everybody to relax a second. Maybe even put your hands kind of out in a receptive posture. As we say, come Holy Spirit. We ask that you would now bring us into a deeper experience of your love, but also of your compassion. I ask that you would meet everyone here who is worn out, who is beaten down, who is lost, 
who was confused, who was sick. Because though we are sheep, we believe that you are the good shepherd. And when we are in trouble, your heart not only leaps out toward us, but you come running toward us. And so Jesus, we all are coming from different places. But whatever is an authentic response to this, that we're having towards you, we just, we like, we send it your way, whether it's a, I can't even believe this, this seems too good to be true, or oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So come Holy Spirit. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.